so welcome to the Owl Podcast. My name is Jameson, and I am here, as always, with Jerry. Jerry, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing just fine. It's been a hell of a week, but <laughs> I'm doing you. good. I feel you. It's been a yeah. long week. And, uh, right. And today we have uh, Dustin, who is our special guest. And uh, Dustin and I have been friends for over 20 years. Uh, we met when we were probably like eight or nine years old. And we've just been friends ever since. But um, Dustin, how are you doing, bud? I'm doing great, man. Good, man. Well, we're happy Glad to, to be you. here. Uh, some people might remember Brandon from one of our episodes, and Brandon is actually Dustin's little brother. So Brandon was it's on true. our episode with uh, uh, guns. It was a special on guns. He reached out to me, and he wrote um, he wrote me like this long like essay text message uh, about an episode that Jerry and I did on Brett Kavanaugh on guns, and then I invited him on, and we ended up having a pretty good conversation. But yeah, Dustin's his older brother, and like I said, I've known Dustin for feels like forever so <laughs> um but anyway more or less forever so dustin uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself like who's <clears throat> dustin what are some of your uh what's some of your background like education and yeah. some of your uh, political leanings things like that hmm. okay um well free feel free to probe for more but i'll give you a sampling um i am dustin i grew up in colorado with jmo and went to school in Nashville. I uh, came here for music to study music. Got, um, uh, upon graduating, I, I went into like the business side of things and have bounced around to a few different music business uh, job situations. And I currently work remotely in Nashville for a company based in Denver. So I feel like I, I uh, I have my foot in both states now again. Just can't um, escape, can you? Yeah, I can't. I wouldn't want to. <laughs> it's a great state not to be able to escape. Um, as far as who I am at a deeper level, um, I I part of the reason, maybe a large part of the reason that I'm on this podcast right now is probably because I'm a Christian. Um, so coming from that perspective, um, that was something that really happened for me, really started happening for me shortly before I, I left for school um, and then uh, really uh, solidified my faith in Christianity when I was at college and a little bit thereafter. Um, so it does, uh, I say that not only because it's relevant in this conversation, but it will help explain my worldview on, on a lot of things. It's, it's the context behind it all. Um, it's hard to hold a, a worldview like that without it affecting everything sure. um, that you see and believe. So uh, I am a Christian and my political leanings, gosh, I hate to make a hard line straight from I'm a Christian to politics. But I just did it. <laughs> Can't back out of that one now. Um <laughs> It's out there. You got to just run with it. And we cut point. that. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, so, so my political leanings, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm not a libertarian. I wouldn't consider myself a Republican. Wouldn't consider myself a Democrat. Wouldn't consider myself a progressive. Um, I, I feel like a man 
without a party and I'm okay with that. I, I know, I think a lot of folks in our generation would feel that way. You could just probably um, more independent is what you feel like is what I'm hearing. Yeah. If somebody looked at my voting record, they'd say, oh, you're conservative. And I'd say fair enough. But, um, you know, I, I, it, it really, I wouldn't, I don't feel myself defined by a conservative party so much, but I probably do find myself at home in a conservative party more than I would a liberal party for a variety of reasons. That makes sense. I mean, based on like the history that I know about you, you know, you, I definitely could see you have some more conservative leanings, but there's, I'd, I'd say there's different sure. times where you could say that, you know, you, you don't necessarily agree with what the Republican party or the conservative party is that they would put in quotes actually does. And you can maybe see yourself leaning more, like you said, more center, more left of center, things of that nature. I could yeah. see that with you. I'd go even further and say, I, I sometimes admire some things about the democratic party. But there's also things I loathe about the Democratic Party, so it's a, it's a weird it's a weird relationship there. But yeah, like you said, a man without a party. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Welcome to the team. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You're not alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like Dustin said. Um, this conversation is going to be the reason I wanted Dustin and Jerry on for this particular conversation is Dustin is like he said, he's a Christian and Jerry, he has more atheistic type views and this conversation, I wanted it to be a, a conversation more on the morality. And I wanted, I wanted to have two people that have kind of almost, I don't want to say opposite views. Cause I feel like once they actually start talking, they're going to have some very similar views, but I feel like you guys are going to have kind of, you're on different ends of the spectrum as far as where you sit. So that's kind of why I wanted both of you on this particular podcast. And like Dustin said, it's why um, his, his views here are relevant to this particular episode. So, um, and that being said, we're going to have a, uh, basically a conversation on morality and um, I'll kind of go ahead and just start it off and we'll just start off with basically a very simple question, but a very deep question. Um, and whoever wants to start, I'll let you guys go ahead and jump off. Um, does, or Jerry, since you're one of the hosts of this show, I'll let you actually go ahead and start it off. But it's just like I said, a very simple question. Where do you think people get their morality? Are people inherently good? Are people inherently evil? Does culture influence our morality? Uh, do we get it from you know our parents? Do we get it from society? Where, where do you think that we get morality from? And it's, hmm. it's a vague question. It's... But if you want to kind of break it down into more individual type things, we can definitely do that, maybe flush it out a bit. But I'll let you go ahead and just kind of start with that. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, it's the most loaded question probably in philosophy. Um, we, so I guess there's two things. We get our, our morality from our, ourselves. We, we understand that they're they're intrinsic values that that we all hold um we we have a tendency to be kind towards one another we have a tendency to care for one another and i think morality has to come from our, ourselves we have to be able to decide what we hold to be good and what we decide to be bad um and i, I know that's a loaded statement but it's i think you can kind of i think you can set an example right it's it's if you see a child crossing the street and he's about to be hit by a car you wouldn't 
you wouldn't hesitate to, to help that child, right? And I don't think, I think that regardless of your religion, that that is sort of an axiomatic statement, right? You would want to help that child. And that you can take that and extrapolate that to the rest of our morality, right? Our morality tends to come from our, our it's sort of intrinsic, right? It, it tends to come from within us. It's just, we, we can decide what is good and bad. And, and obviously you can, insert some kind of caveat to where you know certain situations are, are complicated but i think just to start it off i think our morality comes from from ourselves and i think we're we're intrinsically we're born with with a a, a set of morals and kind of a guideline as to how we should treat each other but where do you think that we actually get that morality from like where do you think we get those guidelines from do do we I guess as a society agree upon these rules is like these are the accepted rules and this is the moral moral life to lead or do you could you see it coming from maybe like like I said from your like your parents or society or things like that like where do we actually get these guidelines these rules from well I think I I take the the view of of somebody like Sam Harris who who views morality as as a moral landscape you there are there are peaks and valleys that you can inhabit and there could be multiple peaks on this moral landscape right there are, there can be different ways to be good and bad and we where we get our morality is is the same place that we we sort of we get our sense of medicine right so we can get we can establish a sense of, of morality if you think something along the lines of you know what is what is the worst possible misery for everybody right so you can imagine the, the worst possible misery on it. There's n absolutely nothing good about this reality, right? And you can move along that spectrum. You can start to improve people's you know, experience. You can you can say something is good if we move if we just move that needle from the worst possible misery from everybody, right? So you can you can start to apply values to that scenario. You can start to say where our morality comes from. If we want to avoid the worst possible misery, our morality comes from deciding that the worst possible misery for everybody is bad. And then from there, you know, you can start to say, well, this is this is good or, or this is bad, right? So that's where I think we, we get our morality is, is once you move that needle towards, or once you move that needle or that, that dial away from the worst possible misery of, of everybody. Hmm. Okay. Dustin, do you have any thoughts on that? Or I, I guess you can even do the same question. Like, where do you actually think we sure. get our morality from? Um, <clears throat> so one of the one of the things that pushed me towards believing in God was the the moral argument, um, kind of in tandem with the cosmological argument. And what I think I mean by that is that I I couldn't settle in my head how um, life in general and, and morality specifically this conversation was anything but arbitrary if there was a no God and B no eternity um, and so like on the topic of or, or on the point of where does morality come from I, I wouldn't quibble one bit with uh, the fact that everybody has the ability to be moral or good, um, or that we have some sort, some idea of morality within ourselves, um, or that it's it's influenced by culture, 
um, society, external influences like that. I'd, I'd be, I think, almost in complete agreement with that. What n never really s settles in in my my head is is that there could be um, any moral imperative behind any morality uh, if there's no such thing as God hmm. or eternity, like e an eternal soul. And what I mean by that is. It's it, everybody wants. In, we we all we all can say we want um, the the greatest good for everybody, and that's understandably super complex. So it can play out in a number of ways, but it it's easy to imagine a number of scenarios where the greatest good for one group of people or for a person or for the majority of people means doing something patently awful or destructive to another group of people um, and it's entirely justifiable if our framework is only um, what's best for survival which which to me seems like the thing at the bottom of morality um, you know survival flourishing uh, the greatest good or the least possible suffering so, I, I mean, I, I keep coming back to, I guess, I, I, I think morality with a capital M comes from God. Um, so are you referring to like the, the Holy Spirit or the gift that they talk about in the Bible where essentially that little voice that you have inside your head that kind of tells you like what's the difference between right and wrong? Is that kind of what you're referring to there? Or are you talking more on like a deeper level, like... <clears throat> Ten Commandments that were handed yeah. by God, or what, so, do you, what do you think of well, that? Well, so so Jerry actually gave a great example earlier about if you see like a little boy in the middle of the road, and um, a car's about to hit him, everybody wants to do something about that, more or less, um, and and we call that good. The, the problem for me is it means nothing. It means nothing. If, um, I mean, whether you, eh, that, that's more of an instinctual good, I guess. Um, if you, if you were the one driving the truck and you said, I want to hit that boy, which is awful. I don't think anyone would disagree that that's awful, but it doesn't matter at all. If, um, you know, a hundred years from now, probably nobody will remember it happened. There might still be a few people that are affected by it. Certainly a thousand years from now nobody will know and several billion years from now when the universe implodes upon itself it matters zero so so what hitches me up is that good has no ultimate meaning if there's no ultimate destination it only has temporal meaning does that make sense yeah yeah i can i can see the argument for that i mean we don't have to get so nihilistic i think Ultimately, what matters is we have to imagine a society where, where saving a, a little boy's life, right? And we don't we don't have to get too much into the, the ethics or, or that because I feel like where morality comes from is sort of a, a quagmire. But you, you can just take the little boy for example. We all want to live in a society where saving a little boy from a car accident or a little just a child from a car accident 
is viewed as good and that's unquestionable right that's sure. at the very yeah. least if we if we can establish a baseline there then everything else kind of follows i think and i think for me you don't need you don't need a god to to establish that right i don't need i don't need you know, to add another layer of complexity for me it's good enough to know that if i've saved this little child then i've done something good even though i i totally agree right the the universe is probably eventually gonna fizzle out right? it's we know that dark energy is, is expanding our universe and that energy will eventually you know, entropy is is unstoppable right the, the rate of the universe will eventually fizzle out and it's just going to be kind of some cold darkness if there is no god right so we know that that's the universe as far as we can tell that we live in but i don't need to add a layer of complexity to something that i do for example saving a child i don't need to add god to it i i, I can just feel confident and good in the fact that at the very least in that moment i've done something good even if there is no god even if right it's just good for its own sake right and i don't i don't need to add that layer that's that's my position on i guess on morality yeah i think that makes sense um i guess where where i would um probe a little bit would be maybe the 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 definition of good um and and to that end too you know let's say gosh side note the only good thing that ever came from hitler is he's a helpful rhetorical tool um that's the only thing we can thank him for being so extremely evil that he's a helpful rhetorical tool so let's say the boy is hitler then is saving him good i, th I think it can get complex quickly and i and i think if there's no it points to the arbitrary nature of of what we call good unless there's a moral authority above us that defines good hmm. so even in i mean even in like that's the only scenario maybe you could think of a few others but the only scenario i could think of where you could possibly make an argument that that child dying would be good right and even still, it's awful to even hear myself say. Right. But you can see maybe what I'm getting at here is that perhaps it's you know not as inst or not as uh, obvious that saving the boy would be good. And I think you know to use another Hitler example, the best possible good for Germany in the 30s and 40s might have been the Third Reich, but at the expense of everybody else. And so I just, it feel, to me it feels, um, and not, not that I don't understand your argument at all, it certainly makes sense, it's just, that's what always, that's what always discomforts me when I think through it is that the, the greatest possible good for everybody is incredibly arbitrary, and if we had um if we had if we wound the clock back you know a few billion years and went through history again um if we were to re-evolve with a different societal set of values or different cultural norms we might value certain things differently 
and it creates this scenario in which good and morality is completely arbitrary again unless there is a god and and by that i mean god by definition is is the highest moral authority like if you know we're working on maybe a classic definition of god he is in a plane of moral authority above all creation and by being moral authority he can give moral imperatives um if there's no moral imperative there's no moral duty to do anything so i if i murder jameson (laughs) please don't there's yeah i i don't don't worry but um but if i did i don't see how ultimately we can say it's not good for his flourishing um but it could be good for my flourishing um so it, it it it's arbitrary uh unless there's some value inherent to humanity, which is given by a moral arbiter. And no moral arbiter would have authority unless they're a higher moral being than us. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. I think we're, we're kind of, I think God is, is uh, so I, I think, one, we, we should define. We should define some God. things for sure. For yeah. Sure, I feel like I'm, I'm, we're like Talking we're skipping to the, yeah exactly yeah we're skipping to like senior year of philosophy and <laughs> right <laughs> right yeah so so one I think it's a it's a good starting point and uh, I love debating this so just cut me off if at any time you feel like you need to correct uh-huh. me um, but I think God is sort of smuggled in to the to the last point you made God is sort of smuggled in as a moral imperative and then right so well, you as a moral authority. Yeah, so so you juxtapose God and the ultimate good for everybody, and then I feel like they're they're sort of the same thing. But but you're you feel comfortable saying God is is a moral authority, right? So so you can have I to. Clarif- can I clarify something for you? Yeah, or with you. When you say the 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 greatest good for everybody, it sounds like um, pleasurable, or what makes everyone happiest versus bad and miserable or or unpleasurable unhappy and i don't think and i I could be wrong but i don't think they're equal i don't think they're the same thing like good and bad and i think maybe that's where some of the definitional issue is because good and bad aren't necessarily pleasurable and displeasurable or yeah i would would not human flourish okay yeah, because I mean, you can have something good. For example, you can go to the gym, and it can just be a totally painful experience. Sure. But ultimately, yeah. it's going to be good for you. It's good, right? right. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't use good and bad in the same the same sense, right? So I, I like the the example of the worst possible misery for everybody, because I think we can all, at the very least, agree that the worst scenario for everybody is just. It's it's bad. If if bad is going to mean anything, it's that right. It's if I, I don't, we shouldn't be nihilistic and think that life is meaningless. I think if if anything, if bad means anything, it's that that the worst possible misery for everybody, every conscious thing, is is that 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 is what bad means. So, I think if we if we can establish that, then anything 
that improves that scenario, we can classify as good, right? And I think that that those definitions are useful. But yeah. like I said, I, I think we're we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves, and I want to give Jameson a, a chance to to pitch in here as well. I don't want to. I don't want to give him a word edgewise. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> the corner. Just keep talking, yeah. No, um, this is kind of what I wanted. I wanted this more to be between the two of you, since I kind of be yeah. the experts so on this. If can I can I ask you something too? Because this is a this is a genuine question that really like I I can't settle it in my head, and and it's it's part of what makes sense of God existing to me is that even if we were to start at the baseline of uh, what did you call it the the worst possible misery or is that is that the phrase you used? Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think certainly we'd all agree anything better than that as like an average terrible starting point is good or enjoyable or better than the other thing. But let's say we just hang out at worst possible misery for everybody. I can't for the life of me figure out why it matters. And I mean that genuinely. I'm not trying to be funny. Like I can't figure out why it matters one bit. And I know it's nihilistic, but I, I think it's nihilistic if there's no God. If there's God, yeah. everything has meaning. At least as far as I can see it. It it's it's the difference between. And and please feel free to correct me, but I it, it to me it looks like ultimately nothing has meaning. Like it doesn't matter if you, me, Jamo, and everybody on the planet suffer and every human suffers for the next several million years until we go extinct, it doesn't matter. So it's temporally good, but, but there's no ultimate good. Yeah, I think it, it matters ultimately, and I want to give Jameson a, a chance to jump in. It matters, at least it matters to me, because one, we're conscious, and at the very least, I would like to avoid the worst possible misery for myself. You know, and it can sign. It can sound, you know, arrogant. I know. Sure, that. but but your but your consciousness only will last for like eighty years, and after that, yeah. it won't matter at all. If you if you in the head, you see you see what I'm saying, though, right? Yeah. Ultimately, yeah. Ultimately, I mean, it doesn't matter. But that to me is, and I, I don't want to get too ahead of the conversation. But ultimately, that that is what makes life beautiful to me is that I'm aware, and I'm aware even in this present moment, right? Just. I could, I could, you know, go on a car ride here after this podcast and, you know, flip my car and then, you know, I'm brain dead. Like, yeah. like it happens to thousands of people. Right. And so if at the very least I can enjoy this moment and enjoy this podcast, then it, even ultimately, if it doesn't matter, then I, at the very least, when I am conscious, would like to avoid as much misery as I could. And so it doesn't matter, I guess, in, in a grand scheme of things, because, we do know that the very best of physics tells us that our universe will dissipate, unfortunately, in, in a Google of years, right? And kind of an unimaginable amount of years, right? And so yeah. ultimately it doesn't matter, I guess. You know, there's not, to me, the, you know, the, being the atheist that I am, it, it doesn't matter, right? But it does matter because people are conscious and people, if you can be kind to somebody, then why not? You know, what what does it stop you from why are you going to be an asshole to somebody, right? If if this person, if you can be kind to somebody, if you can be nice to somebody, then it should matter, even in the, even in that moment. Even though ultimately it, it doesn't matter, you know, like if, if you look at the world 
in that insurmountable or sure unimaginable amount of years like i think we should be kind and and nice to one another and yeah ultimately it might not matter but i would like to avoid misery for anybody let alone for everybody but jameson i would i would like to i guess to backtrack a little bit i guess what do you i guess what do you guys mean by by god because i know that we can now start invoking different religions right now we can start invoking right. christianity which doesn't you said you're you're a practitioner of um what does christianity kind of mean to you um what do you mean by by god because i know that even within you know the realm of christianity that can that can mean quite a few different things um and then jameson what do you believe do you <clears throat> Do you think that we do there is a god and and you know what what kind of what does that mean to you sure uh well dustin i'll let you answer that question first and then i'll chime in here so okay you sure i might go on for a while yeah that's fine <laughs> okay <laughs> um so there i guess there's a couple ways to define god um listing his attributes i think is helpful um, but as far as mor- uh, you know, the moral aspect of God goes, I'd say, and, and I'm trying to stick to a, a pretty classic definition of God, one that I think any Christian and even any philosopher would probably maybe agree with. Um, I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> Ron Burgundy, yeah. <laughs> I, I think, although I'm not a philosopher, so I, I could be totally wrong. So, um, God would be the highest being in every sense. So the most moral, the most powerful, the most knowledgeable, um, the ultimate being in every way. And by, by definition, he, he is the ultimate good. So as it pertains to our conversation on morality, um, I that I think, and I'm open I'm open to being uh, contradicted here, but I think that would run into some problems with maybe like um, pantheistic gods, like in Hinduism or Greek mythology, because you have you have a different concept of what a, a god is. It's not the same as like a monotheistic god. Um, but I think even there, there's some concept of this overarching god that might fit with that. But really, I think you could fit that into philosophical, a Christian, a Jewish, a Muslim definition of god. That covers a pretty big swath. Well, it sounds um, like what you're talking about, it's kind of like with what religion where they talk about like those essentially the big three christianity judaism and muslim or islam they technically all believe in the same god if that's kind of what you're referring to there yeah i think the 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 um i think they all agree on the that basic definition of god i could be wrong i'm i'm pretty confident that the judeo-christian god would fit that definition mm-hmm. um but I and I think the God of Islam would fit that definition as well. Well, I guess to to break down Jerry's question a little bit more, Dustin, like yeah. your personal views 
on God. Like sure. we're not talking about at this point the Judeo-Christian God. We're not talking about yeah. Islam. And and Jerry, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but we're talking about Dustin's view. Like what brought Dustin to What do you want to know, guys? Like yeah, what brought Dustin to where he yeah. is today? Like who who is your like oh. when you picture your relationship with God, like what who is God to you? Like who is this person that essentially has created <clears throat> Dustin and has given you the breath of life and has created your soul and has basically given you all the attributes that you have today, all the blessings, the gifts, the things like that, that you have, who is that to you and how has he created your moral fibers? Yeah, he's everything. <laughs> I mean, I think this is, this was the, the major change that happened in my life. Um, when I was 19 and it was, coming to the belief in in the truth and again i if you don't believe it's true that's that's okay i'm i'm not trying to say truth in an, in a sort of polemic kind of way but uh as best i could tell the story uh of the bible and what christianity is saying about god and what god says about himself was true and that rocked my world and um like two of the, the the two things i didn't have these terms for them at the time but the two two um questions that led me to belief in god in general were that moral argument and i'd say to a greater degree the cosmological argument in other words the fact that the universe exists and anything exists and um that life exists to me also seems impossible without a God. Um, those things led me to God and then digging uh, into the story of the Bible and in particular in, into the story of Jesus led me to belief in the Christian God um, based in, in part on the preponderance of the evidence of the resurrection of Christ. And <clears throat> I, I was at a Christian school, JMO knows this. I, I transferred from CSU um, my, after my freshman year into a Christian school in, in Nashville. And I saw, um, it was really interesting. I had started reading the Bible and was kind of like trying to figure this out. And I was in a school where like 95% of everybody was saying like, oh, like we're definitely Christians. We definitely believe this book. Um, Almost and like I was reading the book, and I was like, no, you don't. You don't believe this book. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, it's clear you don't believe this book. Uh, and so that, was for me, was actually very interesting. It wasn't that I got into a, a Christian environment where everybody was believing, really, and, you know, you kind of go along and get along. It was like, I think I believe this more than you do. And then there were a few people who believed it, and their lives were... Um, markedly different. And so that was very compelling um, in tandem with, I think, the, the rigorous arguments around the uh, the idea of God and the resurrection. Um, but the truth of it all is very important to me, was very important to me from the beginning. And I'm, I would say we're only ever, uh, I don't know, I'm ever 100% of any, I don't know that I'm 100% certain that I exist 
Um, I think I can say 99% sure I think I exist and I'm not like just some brain in a vat somewhere and this is all an illusion. Mm-hmm. Um, so keeping that in mind, I'd say I'm, I'm probably most days I'm 85 to 95% sure God exists. Um, what gives you less, sh- sh- say again? Well, what gives you those doubt that, that, that doubt then? Well, there's good arguments against it i just don't think they're as good as the arguments for god Hmm. you know i mean we can listen all three of us are sharp intelligent people of goodwill and we've already disagreed on some things um so i may think i'm right about some of them but it certainly doesn't mean that i could be couldn't be wrong Hmm. so um but i would say 85 95 percent sure is good enough to bet your life on probably <laughs> so um i i thought it was at least as i have so um <clears throat> i don't know where, where were you going with that question did i answer that i guess we can back up but i guess my question was is just more along the lines of like like what do you think your biggest i guess i should let me back up a little more here so where do you think like this god that you picture because you were starting to talk about like the judeo-christian god and things like that and i'm glad you kind of told the story of like how you came to him but it's more along the lines of i'm curious like where do you think his biggest impact has been on you as far as like your moral fiber who you are now as a person and how you actually view the world and how you can actually contribute to the world at this point and that when we kind of have this conversation like it gives you your moral sphere of who you are as a person and that now you kind of have that moral authority but yeah does that kind of make sense i think so um and Jerry, did you say i did you say i have moral authority no like where you get your moral okay. authority good. I'm sorry good good uh, okay yeah I, well you know there's a there's so i think there's a lot of ways that i, I could address that question and i think that might be part of what the problem is um I do think, uh, I, I think it's obvious to me that I'm a better man than I would have been had I not started following God. Um, I don't think you, you, it's, 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 it's never a scale of Christians are better than everyone else or Muslims are better than everyone else or Jewish people are better. It, it's more of a question of by following Jesus, are you better than you would have been at, morally or um, hey, I guess morally sufficient category there um, than you would have been otherwise. And I think certainly in my instance, I, in, in, in my life, I see that I am. And part of that is because everything I do is suffused with meaning so i um i've had a long week it's been a very stressful week at work and i've been very short <laughs> around the house and i think when it, like it, i i've yelled at my boys a few times this week mm-hmm. and i think that would make any dad feel bad uh, hopefully i mean there's some that it probably wouldn't affect and that's really sad that's unfortunate but um if if you're in a healthy place. I think that would make most dads feel bad. 
And there is an imperative you feel because you, I think naturally you feel bad, but then you can reason out that, hey, this is going to affect them. And that gives you more motivation to do what the good thing would be to do, which is not lose your temper, even though it feels really good. And it does. It feels excellent to lose my temper. <laughs> if I'm being honest, I know seriously, it does. And, and it's not good. Um, and so that gives me more motivation to keep that temper in check and, and be an example for my boys and let them know that I'm a, uh, I love them. And, you know, dad is a good, safe person to be around. Then there's not just those temporal consequences that everyone can relate to. There are eternal consequences to my behavior. So while I'm thinking, hey, I need to be good to my boys, and hey, this is going to affect their lives and our relationship out into the future for the next several decades, there's another thought that crosses through my head and my heart that says, I have to stand before a perfect and holy God um, at the end of my life and answer to my behavior. And yeah, that makes one think and it creates a lot of motivation. Um, and what's wonderful about the Christian faith is it creates a positive motivation because actually all my sins are forgiven. But um, we do get commendation and um, praise from God for, for doing what is good, what is right, what's holy. And also when you do something bad, as a Christian, we believe, and, and I'm getting into a lot of Christian theology here, so if you want to go deeper, I'm happy to, otherwise we'll just dip in, come out. But as a Christian, I know that my sins or the things I've done wrong are covered on the cross. And so when I do do a wrong thing, there's that image in in one's head as a Christian to say, mm, even though it's covered, that's one of the umpteen million things that sent Jesus to the cross. So all that to say, it changes the way you think and you feel and you act in all of your interactions, moral and otherwise. Now, is that what you were getting at? I think so, yeah. Okay. But, Jerry? Yeah, I, I, would, I mean, that, that covers your your beliefs pretty well and pretty extensively. I would, uh, I guess I would just like to get Jameson's point of view a little bit and, and see what you think too. Sure. God is and <clears throat> uh, where do you think we derive our morality. So I'll try to keep it brief, um, but I've had a very, I, I don't want to say complicated, but it may be the right word, uh, relationship with God, because I'll, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you right now, like, I absolutely do believe there is a God. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind about it, which is kind of why I wanted this conversation to be definitely more between the two of you, so I don't feel like, so I didn't feel like I was two people against one or anything like that. But anyway, to kind of get my view, I do believe there is a God. Um, I don't necessarily have the same Christian faith that Dustin does, for example, um, just because I feel like too much of the church has become man-made and that I have problems with that and 
it just gives me too many issues when I start seeing how people identify as Christians or Muslims or Jews or whatever because they start sticking too much to a man-made aspect of it. So when I think of God, I definitely picture something that I'm not supposed to understand and I'm not picture something that's definitely bigger than me and that sometimes the question might be more fun than the answer as far as like what is God but <clears throat> for me personally I like I said I do believe in him um, or believe in God and I pray every night and part of my prayer is that I ask him to essentially make me a better man and a man that that God can be proud of and like I said I don't necessarily have maybe like the same belief in God that you know my next door neighbor does Dustin does whomever but I do believe that there is a higher moral authority, somebody that created this universe, and he created it with essentially a thought in mind of, of what he wanted the universe to turn out to. So when I pray, like I said, please make me a better man, a man that can live up to your expectations, that's what I'm asking him to do is like, or I shouldn't say him because I don't, can't, that's a whole other thing, but <clears throat> I'm basically asking like, help me become the man that I'm supposed to become. And in the in the universe that God created, like help me fill up my place with him. And I do believe that there is something after life and I don't necessarily know if it's heaven, hell, anything like that, but I do believe there is something. And as far as whether or not I believe that I'm going to be standing up next to or in front of God someday and that I'm going to have to answer for all the wrong that I've done, I don't know that either. I just kind of accept what I think I can know which I believe right now, like I said, there is a God who created a universe, and I'm trying to essentially fill my piece of the puzzle of what he's created for me. And that's kind of where I stand with it. As far as where I get think morality comes from, it's hard to say because, you know, you can look at all these things throughout history as far as, you know, people doing incredibly evil things, people doing incredibly good things, and I look at that and say, well... You know, where did they get their morality from? What caused good? What was evil? What? Why did we determine that, you know, Abraham Lincoln, free, Abraham Lincoln freeing the slaves was good, it was moral, it was the just thing to do versus, you know, even having slavery in the first place? Like, where did we essentially decide, like, that was actually good? So I do have conflicted feelings on, like, where we actually get our morality from. And when it comes down to it, I try to keep very, very simple with it as far as saying, like, if I go out there and I do something and I see that it actually did have a good impact on those around me, I can justify that as being good. Versus if I go out there and, you know, I go to a grocery store just down the street and I just start stealing little things from it, deodorant, shampoo, you know, soap, whatever, and eventually that business, you know, goes out of business. I can start feeling maybe bad that that was actually a morally wrong thing to do because it did impact somebody negatively and infected the, or affected their life. So I kind of just get, I try to take the most simplistic view when it comes to morality and I try to just take a very, I'm not supposed to understand God, I'm just trying to figure out or just trying to essentially fill my piece of the puzzle in that he's created for me. So that's that's kind of where I stand with things, if it makes any sense. It does make yeah, sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll add my piece here. And it was good. I think we started the podcast sort of at the end. And I, I hope that we can make our way back. And I guess I would like to respond to what both of you guys said. And feel free, obviously, to respond what I, to what I'm going to say. 
Um, I'll work. I'll, I'll first start with with Jameson's point, and then I'll work my way towards to what you said, Dustin. Um, so the reason I don't I don't believe in God is because I see all of the misery and all the cruelty that happens in our world, and I'm always awestruck and and one or left wondering why God wouldn't intervene. So, for example, human beings as a species have been around, let's say, a hundred thousand years. For 100,000 years, God didn't play a role in our lives. And it wasn't until about, what, 98,000 years into the fact that we're here, he decided to her, to reveal himself. And then, and that that's when he started, you know, being a little more helpful. And then, so, so you have 100,000 years of, of disease, of, of essentially just, cluelessness of how to navigate through this world right you we're essentially hunter gatherers and then in it, shortly thereafter right or shortly in our history about 5000 years ago he decided to reveal himself and start invoking himself in our lives and then the other part moving more i guess into Can I stop the christianity you real quick on that real, just for a brief uh -huh. second so yeah, yeah you're talking about something that essentially i think is almost flawed in that aspect to say that he's given a timeline where he's infected our life not infected i'm sorry that might be the wrong word uh, essentially had influence in our life mm -hmm. do you think do you think that's a fair argument to assess that like that he's had influence in our life or do you think it's mostly that we can just argue that humans at that point essentially were smart enough to comprehend that there was something else monitoring our life well if if the argument is going to be that god created the universe and that god influences our lives and can manipulate and step into our lives then i think it's a valid argument right if if god if we can pray to god and if god created us and if god created our universe why allow so much misery and then why allow so much misery for a hundred thousand years and then on top of that we can move into christianity why allow your son to vicariously redeem all of us right I, I don't like the fact that jesus died on the cross for sins that i hadn't done yet right so why does jesus have to die on the cross for something that i had no input or or saying right so that's where i can i can tie in both of your your beliefs here and i would like to get your responses mm -hmm. there is right is is why is if if god is real why allow so much misery why allow all the you know, we were just talking about uh, our good friend Willie had a, a baby here, and you know, we were talking about the mortality rates of infants and and how horrible pregnancies were, right? Why why allow all of all of human history essentially to, to suffer through that if if he is the ultimate good and if if he is influencing our lives? Well, Dustin, I'll let you chime in since you're kind of more of the. Oh, you want to give me that easy question? You sure? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> no, I think Jerry, that's honestly, that's the hardest question. That's the, that's the hardest question. Um, if you believe in God, um, I, I don't mean it as a shot across the bow, but I, I do think if you don't believe in God, you're still left with no answer. You just don't have to, there's no God to have to answer for the question, if that makes sense. Um, so 
the, the suffering is either meaningless or the suffering has meaning, but we can't for the life of us figure out what it is. I don't know which one's worse, but uh, neither one is very satisfying to me. Um, and it's also a different thing if, if someone, if so you mentioned the baby your friend had, which is awesome. Um, let's say it didn't turn out great. That kind of suffering is, it, I mean, it's not really helpful at that point, then it, it's a reality and not a philosophical question. Um, so it becomes a much smaller universe of suffering. But as far as the, um, and much more poignant, but as far as the, the philosophical question itself goes, it's still very difficult. And I know there's a lot of folks that have spoken to this question. Uh, the problem of, and they would all make me sound like a blathering idiot, uh, the problem of, of suffering between man and man to me doesn't seem quite as hard um, when one has a doctrine of sin. And I can get into that more if you want, but the problem of like natural suffering is more difficult I think. So why did this hurricane, um, you know, destroy these people's lives and kill a bunch of people? Or why did I get cancer? Or why, you know, why did I lose my baby? Those sort of things are incredibly difficult to answer. I think the doctrine of sin does answer to some of them um, somewhat sufficiently. Um, but there's sometimes I can think of a good reason or at least a reason, maybe not a good one, a reason. Um, but even if I can't, I don't know. And I, I forgive me. Cause I realize this sounds like beating around the bush a little bit. And to some degree it is. I also don't think not thinking of it, not having a good reason doesn't mean there's no God. It just means that we can't figure out why God would allow suffering. Um, there was the second part to your question. Oh, the, the, the death of um, Jesus on the cross. Um, I get why. I mean, it's in one sense, it, well, it is. It's brutal. It's bloody and it's ugly. So I do get why people wouldn't be attracted to it. Um, but I do think it's, it is literally the most beautiful thing in human history. If we want to get into that, I'm happy to get into that and explain it, but I don't, uh, I don't know where you want to go. Yeah, I didn't, I don't want the question to sound gratuitous for myself, right? It is a very difficult question, especially because you have, you essentially from, if you believe in God, you, you essentially have to answer for God, right? I don't. I don't want the question to seem that way. I just, you know, because I am, because I am, I, I'm, I don't believe in God. I don't think there is a God. So from the atheist, you have to, to me, you, you have to add a layer of complexity. So I'm fine answering all of the questions of, about human existence and, and why we suffer so much, right? I think that we've just been ignorant and we haven't developed the necessary tools to break ourselves from that ignorance but to me the the believer the person that believes in god has to answer for god and that's why i think that that's such a difficult question we can do move into or sorry do you, oh no i i am um, 
I first of all, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. Um, do you does my does my comment make sense that even if there are no good reasons, like let's just say there's no good reasons, it doesn't necessarily disprove God exists. It just yeah, it doesn't. We don't understand why he would allow suffering. Yeah, and that's it's it's a difficult question for you to to answer or to try to put yourself into. And it, for me, it's so one I can I can accept randomness, but what I can't accept is gotcha. if, is if there is a God that that would just add a level of cruelty that I'm not willing to accept. Right? It's I can I can accept that I, I can accept the fact that you know people die in, in car accidents, but I can't accept the fact that you know somebody maliciously went and rammed their car into you know a bunch of people right so for me invoking god kind of adds a level of of maliciousness right it's just i can accept that we've just uh, are are just a, a happenstance of creation of of randomness but it is a difficult position to to be in if you have to answer for all of this sort of cruelty that that's that takes place in our world right cruelty is a reality of, of our world and i think it's it's such a difficult position and to me it's just kind of needless it's just we don't to me i, I don't see why we would have to put a god there where i where you know randomness or just human stupidity is is sufficient yeah i mean i, I guess my reason for believing in god wouldn't be that it I need an explanation for why the hurricane hit you know my neighborhood or something or whatever to why I got cancer but that it does answer the problem of the suffering does that make sense so it doesn't uh, apart from God there's no meaning to the suffering and if God doesn't exist, that's fine. I mean, it's random, like you said, but it is brutal. There's no meaning to it. There's no meaning to the baby that dies, the cancer you get, the starvation um, in, a, in a country. There's no meaning to it. It doesn't matter. I mean, it matters in a temporal level, and we all feel that it matters. But I can't see any real firm reason that it matters. The problem on the inverse is that if you do believe in a God, the sort of God that, that I defined earlier, then he's ultimately good, and the suffering does have meaning. And in fact, the Christian story speaks to the suffering palpably in, in, in the death of Jesus on the cross. But then you end up with this terrible problem of why in the world would God allow suffering? There are some arguments, and, and again, I, I'm not the one to speak to this well, but there are arguments around certain areas, and I, and I think people can make a good stand as far as, like, well, this might be it, or this is one possibility, or I think this is, um, they're essentially doing that kind of a thing, but it's hard to know for sure. I think one of the ones is that's sort of compelling, and again, I, I would sort of set human-on-human -human harm and maybe I set it aside for a second because I do think it's honestly a little easier to deal with at a, at a moral theological level. Um, but the natural evil or the natural 
suffering. One is that we're assuming that there is a world in a, a different kind of world in which that suffering doesn't exist, but which this kind of world exists. Whereas this might actually be on a number of parameters, the best kind of world for people like us. And that might seem odd with, with the kind of suffering that we see, but something I think it's also good to keep in mind the way the Bible, when you see tragedy and sin and suffering, it's, typically an absence of God. It's not a God wants to bring suffering <laughs> upon these people. And so it, you see an absence of God when, when you read through. And I think what it's saying is that it points to the, what the biblican, biblical um, idea of separation from God and that whole problem is part and parcel with the suffering that starts going down some pretty deep uh, theological rabbit trails. But I think those are at least two possibilities. Um, again, I don't know. It's not an easy question to answer. But yeah, the, inver I, I, the inverse has a problem too, at least from where I'm sitting, in that it seems impotent in its explanation of suffering as well. Yeah, I, I definitely sympathize. I, it's just it's a it's a difficult position. It is. It's a difficult answer because you're you're essentially placed in a position where you have to answer. For, you do. You do for, for God's thoughts. So I guess Jameson, would how would you respond to that question? Like, uh, so for me, right from the the non-believers side, right, it's like you're adding a layer of God, and and so how would you? I know that you're different from I guess Dustin's. Mm -hmm. beliefs but how would you how would you answer to that like how would you where would you put god or how would you how would you account for your belief in god and, and him allowing or whatever god is right for all this misery and human suffering i'll just say him just so it's not like we're not yeah. correcting ourselves. <laughs> um <clears throat> him her they yeah so it's it's kind of funny you bring this question up just because don't misgender God, please. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go down that road. I am turning this podcast off right now because God is clearly a woman. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, is it X I? <laughs> he identifies as a Z. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, no, so it's kind of funny you bring up that question, and I don't know. Maybe funny is not the right word, but. One of the best explanations I've seen for the question that you brought up of like why does suffering and stuff like that happen in this world and it, it really it's it's funny because it's from an ironic point of view but at the same time it really did get me thinking is there's an episode of Scrubs where Laverne who everybody knows in that show is like always praising Jesus and and you know she's a super Bible thumper blah 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 but there's this episode where uh, Dr. Cox, who is a very atheist point of view, um, is talking about like how all these terrible things happen and he can't figure out why God exists. So there's this part where all of a sudden this little girl comes in and she got stabbed um, by a mugger. And um, mugger, just an M, not an N, just throwing that out there. Um, and 
you know, Dr. Cox is all of a sudden like, well, why don't you tell me what God's divine plan is of this? And all of a sudden they find out while they're doing x-rays and stuff like that on the little girl that she's got this giant tumor right where the, the stab wound is. And, you know, if they had never, if this had never happened, they never would have found this tumor and she could have been dead in like a year anyway. And he would say, well, you know what, maybe I would say that's the answer right there. And then she starts talking about like, you know, Jordan, who is Dr. Cox's wife, um, just had a baby that was like, you know, three months premature. And he go, she goes, well, how has that brought your relationship with Jordan? And he starts thinking about it, and they all of a sudden they've never become closer. And then I just kind of started thinking about all those different things, you know, throughout history. You know, obviously the Holocaust was a terrible, terrible thing. World War II was terrible. Over 60 million people died for World War II. But it brought forth, you know, the United States and the Cold War, but it brought forth, you know, one of the greatest countries the world has ever seen. Or you can look at the different facts of you know, the Roman Empire rise, and they they murdered thousands, but they brought stability to Europe for centuries. Or you can look at all sorts of different events throughout history that were something really terrible brought something really great. So yes, it sucks when you look at the fact that maybe millions or thousands of people had to die, or something terrible, really terrible, had to happen to somebody else, and all of a sudden you see something great come of it. I look at it like that, like, it's terrible that somebody else has to suffer for something great to happen, but maybe that's what suffering is, is it leads to something great, if that makes sense. So when you look at the suffering of the world, like, crud, you know, there's the Zika virus, there's malaria, there's HIV, there's all these different things. People have to suffer, people have to die, but all of a sudden you look at it, you know, there's a Somebody comes up with a cure. Somebody did something great with their life. Somebody then saved millions of other lives from ending. Or you look at, you know, we're stuck on this planet right now and that we're using too many of its resources, things like that. If somebody comes up with some way to save this planet, all of a sudden he's once again saved billions of lives, but we had millions or hundreds of years of suffering where we had to get to this point. So I look at it as suffering has to almost lead to greatness. And it's, it's a hard point of view. A lot of people look at it. They're like, well, how's there a God if there is all this suffering in the world? Well, I don't think that God wants to get involved because almost doing too much would almost lead to essentially people becoming dependent. It's the way I kind of look at it. And people becoming dependent will then just kind of look at God like, well, now I expect this of you. When I think it's more along the lines, you no, know, you need to live your life. You need to try to make your life great. You have to suffer through all these different things in order to maybe achieve greatness. So it's it's a it's a it's a hard stance, but I think at the same time, it's it makes sense to me. Yeah, and I, I can see the point that you're trying to make, but. For me, there's just so much, there's a difference between suffering, right? You can work a nine to five job for five years and finally get that promotion, right? And maybe those five years weren't the greatest. So there's, there is a limit to where I think suffering, or there is, there are, there are circumstances where I think suffering is necessary, but there are also situations in our reality that suffering is just so needless. Why are children, right? There's countless examples, right? There's children born in the Congo that are immediately infected with a malaria virus and die within a few weeks of their birth, right? And so that that is needless. There's absolutely nothing that's going to come from that. So that's 
that's my position. That's that's my struggle. Is is where I see, I see your argument, Jameson. There are a lot of good things that come from horrible situations, but there is so much needless suffering, and I struggle with that. I struggle to see why, if there is God, why would they he allow so much needless suffering? And, and see to uh, to, to counter argue right there. And I'm sorry, Dustin, to cut you off right there. No, no, you're good. But. I think that's where the benefit of, you know, and like I said, this, I can't speak for everybody else's view on God, but where the benefit of my, I think, view on God comes from is that I'm not supposed to understand. There's a bigger picture is what I believe is there, and I believe that that hell had to happen for a reason, which I know a lot of people in Christianity will also argue that that happened for a reason. But the fact of the matter is, is I think that we are not smart enough to realize what that reason is what we would consider maybe needless there maybe is something else happening behind the scenes that we can't necessarily understand and and that i think is hard for humans to grasp because we have to know we have to have control of life we have to basically have that grasp of almost almost seeing the big picture immediately when we need to almost have patience where we can't necessarily see the biggest picture until maybe 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years down the road. And that's that's hard for humans to comprehend. But if there... Can I... Oh, go ahead, Dustin. Well, I, I kind of... I, I, I see what you're saying. Um, and I'm curious. There's this quote from Alexander Solzhenitsyn and, and you tell me if this is kind of what you're trying to say um, he, he says the meaning of earthly existence lies not um, as, as we've grown used to thinking but in, um, in prospering but in the development of the soul so in other words the, the purpose of life isn't necessarily um in temporal flourishing or pain-free existence but in the development of one's soul again if you're working from a worldview where where there is a god who would be concerned with that and so at least in part if if not in full the suffering that we undergo in whatever form natural or otherwise can be explained and i think you do see on display as a development of the soul i mean i i think it's one of those things better than any other i, I think it's a tool better than any other that god has to develop the soul of man is suffering i just i don't see so we can use solstranitsyn as an example i don't see how millions of people suffering in an archipelago in the gulag archipelago is beneficial to anybody i just i don't see what dying so, so now in that, a Siberian prison well and that see that's why i, I kind of want that like separating natural and human evil i think is helpful not that they're totally separated but i can see some really good reasons why god allows humans to commit evil and and namely they they boil down to free will and in the absence of will, in the absence of choosing what is good versus what is evil, you don't have you don't have free souls, free consciences, and you don't have love. 
you don't have the ability to choose that I, I think to me it makes more sense I understand why God would withhold his hand from allowing people to commit evil I'm not saying it's easy or it's comfortable or that it that it's it's uh, I mean, it's tragic but I do think it may, to me it makes sense do you think though and, and this was something I wanted to ask you Jerry when you were talking earlier, do you think in theory if eternal life exists and if that eternal life in particular is in, a, in paradise essentially, in, in the best possible scenario, does that change the nature of earthly suffering? At least does it move the dial somewhat? Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think eternal life exists. I don't think we have souls that go to a heaven and sure. But if it did, I guess that's that's the thing, because you know, we're comparing a world without God and a world with God. If it did, would it change the nature of suffering? It it wouldn't really because it, to me it's just like I said there, you can you can compare there's different types of suffering right so I alluded to the gym earlier you can go to the gym and by any metric going to the gym is pain painful right but you can derive some meaning from it and you can say okay well they had to suffer and now ultimately they're better off for it but there's truly meaningless suffering right you just you take any example from the holocaust or or what's happening right now like take something like syria where children are dying where that suffering is just truly meaningless and you think of all the horrible experiences that people are going through if some if they ended up in in some kind of paradise and they thought about all of that horrible experiences that they went through that just that I don't know, that just seems sad to me. That just seems like, why did I have to go through the loss of my entire family, you know, and I'm here in a hospital mutilated because Bashar al-Assad dropped, you know, sarin gas on us. You know, luckily after 70 years I died and I'm reunited with my family, but, you know, that type of needless suffering is what I can't get past, is, is why I find th that that suffering so needless. And, and I understand your guys' point, right? It's just... Jamo, you're, you're saying that sometimes we can't understand why why people suffer, but to me, just needless suffering is is really cruel. If if God can intervene in any way, I just I don't understand the needless suffering of people. And like I said, there there is suffering that 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 people can go through it and it makes them better. But there is a lot of suffering that just doesn't need to happen. Hmm. Fair enough. So I guess to, to answer your question, Dustin, and I'm, I'm just trying to see if I can understand this, do you think that, are you asking, I should say, like, would life have more value if all of a sudden you know that, like, basically, yes, those children were suffering for weeks or months or years or something like that and then died, but now they're spending eternity with no pain, no fear, you know, never having to worry about empty belly, thirst, uh, getting sick, anything like that. 
does that add to the fact of more like does that give you more kind of like a faith or is that what was in part in i think in part so i i don't think what i'm getting at i don't think answers the question of why um i I think i think i think the why sometimes in retrospect we might could see like you referenced in that that scrubs episode um you know i i didn't um gosh who's the who's the famous short gymnast guy from the u.s team i don't know i can't think of his name anyways he was amazing he was unusually small um and perfect for being a gymnast and in his 40s or whatever 50s they found out he had a brain tumor and that was what caused him to be small and he had this amazing career um and if he hadn't have had that brain tumor um it's very precarious you know all that then you know it wouldn't have he wouldn't have had this life today okay sometimes we get that perspective um we usually don't get that perspective at least in this life and the bible goes to great lengths to explain that and say you're not going to get all this but what i'm saying more so is that just about the worst thing i can imagine right now um is that my children would like suffer awfully and die that's about as horrible as i could imagine right now Mm -hmm. and if that happens it will be horrible absolutely horrifyingly horrible but if then there is an eternity in which not only my boys but i and my wife get to spend together in eternal bliss with the creator of the entire universe who is the source of bliss and joy and love then let's say we suffer here for the next 70 years with this awful pain and again i don't know why it's not answering the question of why but we suffer for 70 years after a certain amount of time on into eternity which is unfathomable uh, after a certain amount of time that becomes like suffering the pain of one day in a lifetime or one hour in a lifetime or one second in a lifetime and then if you believe and again i i understand it is a stretch to believe and it's a difficult difficult question to answer one that i don't have an answer for if you though can believe what the bible says that hey there are reasons for these things and you will not know them now most of the time um you compound that on top of that already i would say a better scenario a better looking scenario where there there is eternity to put the suffering in perspective you put a reason on top of it or reasons that doesn't seem so problematic to me hmm. i don't know if that makes sense or helps for either of you but no, that's that kind of yeah. that's kind of how i i think about it no that makes perfect sense i think um i mean i, I yeah. get what you're trying to say yeah I view it, I guess, on the opposite side. I view, because we have a lack of eternity, because we don't 
our next moment isn't guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And I view, that's why I view, and I guess we kind of started the podcast with this, that's why I view every moment as precious. And that's why I view people, and I think we should try to be the best versions of ourselves and always be kind to one another because you never know what's going to happen, right? And And because I view our lives as finite, I think ultimately we have a responsibility to one another to just be kind and not be cruel to one another because and this is why i i I am frustrated by the needless cruelty of of wars or or viruses or diseases things like that it's because i view our our lives as finite and so you know if you if you view it from that perspective it's just it's so cruel to it's even more cruel it's exactly yeah yeah So I have one more question for for Jerry here, actually, and then we can maybe kind of look at wrapping this up. But so, Jerry, so if a person doesn't think that there is a God to be accountable to, then I guess what's the point of trying to make your behavior essentially or try to modify your behavior, I should say, to keep it within an acceptable range? So to like not be a, a heathen or, or a cruel person or something. Yeah. I mean, does that make sense? The question or no? Yeah. If, if, if nobody's holding you accountable, why, why be accountable? Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, I've never, I've never been a believer. I've never had a faith. Um, and I think I'm a pretty nice person and I don't feel like I, I need to be accountable to anybody. I feel like, I guess a, a two-part question or a two-part answer. One, I I do it for its own sake. I, I feel like I'm just I want to be nice to people because it's it's axiomatic. It's it's good enough for its own sake. If if you can be kind to somebody. So just the other day, I had a a very pushy salesperson, you know, come on very aggressively and you know try to get me to do something for them, um, and I thought of all the situations that this person could be going through, right? Like this person told me that if he doesn't, if this doesn't happen, then he can't make a sale. And I thought, well, maybe this person is struggling. Maybe they're really relying on this money. And he was just an asshole right from the, from the start. And I thought, you know, why, why am I going to be mean to this person? Why, why do I have to be mean? I don't. And, and that to me is just, it's good enough in and of itself, right? We can just be nice to one another and nobody has to hold me accountable. And then, the second part to your the second part of my answer is just because I view our world as finite, because I view our lives as finite, it is it is our responsibility and it's it's our responsibility, you know, as humans to just be kind to one another. It's just we have such limited amount of time in this world and limited amount of time as, as conscious beings in this world, right? You get what, sixty years before your mind starts to go. You can't remember things well. You know, you can't you you, you your mind starts to deteriorate as you get older and then in your youth you don't really remember things. So we have a finite amount of time where we really are our true selves. And knowing that, you know, it's kind of our responsibility to to treasure that and to, to be kind to one another. Hmm. Well, I mean that's a good answer. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I feel like we've kind of, we've kind of gone a lot of different directions with this podcast. I mean, and I, I'm not going to lie. I think it's, it went in a direction that I didn't expect it to go, but I really, 
I enjoyed it, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, I feel like this could have been a nine-hour podcast. And that's the thing. Oh, like, yeah. It's kind of one of those things, like, I've kind of had to figure out, like, all right, where are we going to where are we going to draw the line in the sand here as far as like, are we going to keep going or are we going to be able to like, should we call it a, uh, like call it at one point? I feel like if, <laughs> if you guys are okay with this, we don't, sh- we shouldn't do it too much, but I'd be happy to come back into it. Cause I feel like we I entered it a with a little part. trepidation, but I feel like we should, there was a lot that we left on the table and I th- it might've yeah. been just because we're, we're starting to get to know one another yeah. and kind of figure out how to maneuver in this space because it is, you know, kind of, it is an uncomfortable topic to talk about. You're asking people, you know, <laughs> to defend their, their highest moral values. <laughs> so what's uh, difficult Jerry, about that? What makes you a good <laughs> yeah. person? I will throw yourself. these moral values. How do you sleep at night? You know? <laughs> <laughs> how do you live no, I think yourself? You, I think you're right. It's, it's hard to, first of all it's hard to to get through all the nuance of it um i think we should you know come back and i would love to do a part two on this i think it'd be perfect the only reason that i'm thinking that we should kind of cut it now or getting close to cut it is because we've already hit over an hour and a half and too much more starts getting to that point where it's people's they they almost lose attention span you know (laughs) Yeah. Um, so no, you say something? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, where are we? What's going on? Hey, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but no, and and like I said, it's it's been interesting because it's more along the lines of like, yeah, we're kind of learning all where each one of us stand. And, and it's really, I think it's kind of cool because each one of us, I think, brings such a different viewpoint to the table here. Like, you know, we can say... Dustin's on one end, Jerry's on the other, and I'm somewhere right there in the middle. And I think it does kind of give us that interesting, like, three-person view, which I didn't expect it to go that way, but I like it, if that makes sense. I think yeah, it's been good. Yeah. 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 So if you guys are wanting to do a, a part two of this, I would love to do a part two. I'm in. Yeah, I'd love to. Okay. Yeah. Count me in. I'm on records saying that. Because <laughs> <Yeah, yeah. laughs> I, I also have a bunch of different notes I've written down during this podcast as well that I think we can kind of go from from here as well. So if, I think that'd be good. Um, but yeah, so if you guys think that we're at a good stopping point and that we can work on doing a, a part two here in the next couple of weeks, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be great. Let's do it. Cool. Well, in that case, uh, I'll just do a last little bit of uh, uh, to our listeners. You can find us on uh, Twitter at owl underscore podcast. And then I just created a uh, Instagram page for us as well. It's just called the Owl Podcast. And then uh, you can also email us at theowlpodcast at gmail.com. And our website is theowlpodcast.fireside.fm. Uh, so I have no more final thoughts. If any of you guys want to add anything, this is your chance. Uh, no, that was great. Thanks, Dustin. It was nice to virtually meet you. Hopefully we can meet in person one day. Yeah. Oh, that's my only final thought. Jamo knows I love him, but it was yeah. really great to meet and talk with you, Jerry. And yeah, maybe we can do this live in person, a glass of bourbon on the rocks or something. That would be awesome. <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah. The only problem great. is that you guys both happen to live like a thousand miles from me. So, you know, I'll you be in that? town in August. I know, and Jerry will be Sam. in town in late in late uh, July. So it's like you guys couldn't uh, have picked man. worse times here. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. So um, we'll figure something out. Yeah, sounds good. 
Um, but yeah, that's all I got to say, Dustin. I love that you've uh, jumped on, and I'm really excited that you're uh, willing to be back on for a second part. And of course, Jerry, I know I talk to you almost every day, so I'll probably talk to you later. <laughs> so, <laughs> thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, not a problem, man. You're, you're definitely welcome back anytime, even on other conversations that aren't about morality. So, <laughs> yeah, awesome. All right, guys. Well, thank you. All, all right. right. See ya. All right, later, guys.